On episode 224 of the Goblin Trash Masters, we talk about how to evaluate new cards. And now, welcome to the 2024 Magic the Gathering card draft, where no one wins and everyone is sad. And the first pick in the draft, the Trash Masters select... Poison Dart Frog! No, 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 not that. Give me the little frog! No, that's not the pick. Froggy go burr! Ugh, fine. Let's talk some trash. All right, everybody, welcome to your least favorite or favorite complete nonsense of a show, The Goblin Trash Masters. I'm your resident thoughtsies enjoying person, Stan, <laughs> what have you. I don't know, Kyle. And I'm joined by my fellow Goblin Trash Master, Ashley. It's me, the Goblin. And we are missing the third member of the Power Rangers because, like we've said in past episodes, that everything is Power Rangers. Anthony is not here this He's time gone. around, but his presence will be felt because he did put some notes in this episode and you'll know it's him because big words will be said by <laughs> us. And you know it won't be us if you've listened to this podcast for a while. But I thought we were the Spice Girls. We're Spice Girls, Power Rangers. We'll probably come up with like another. What, the Three Musketeers is one that hasn't come up, and we're literally three people that talk about <laughs> stuff. Like, which oh. is the oh, the three blind mice. Uh, mm, that, that's a good mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. because we're we're all like fucking crazy people. <laughs> I guess that fits. I don't know. What are what are some other? Uh, I don't know. Like, I my eyes are dog shit, so I definitely would be one of the blind mice like i have terrible vision i can't leave the house without my glasses because it's a safety hazard you can't get around the house without them either oh god no like i just turn into fucking mr magoo like just literally and i'm partially colorblind which is hilarious because i decided to be a creative person for my career which is fucking stupid and i work with printers like, I've worked with printers, like, most of my career as a designer and an artist. It's like, hey, Kyle, color match this. And I'm like, I don't know what colors are. <laughs> You're a fucking artist. It's great. I love I it. I know. Like, yeah. But, like, I'm not fully colorblind. I'm just partially. It's, like, red, green, and blue, and purple. I have the most uh, trouble with where, like, people's just like, hey, Kyle, what color is this? I'm like, well, it's clearly bright red. It's like, I thought you were colorblind. I'm like, yes, but not that bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, if red and green are very similar in value, people are like, what's red and what's green? I'd be like, next question. <laughs> but yes, like I said, Anthony isn't with us today. He's still alive. Don't worry. He didn't die in a uh, crowd collapse at, you know, Astro World or something. I mean, last uh, we knew he was alive. That's true. He is in Chicago. So he is in, <laughs> he's in Chicago for the Magic Fest, like where the Pro Tour Magic Fest is. So he's playing in, I believe, the, 70, the 75 75K standard event. So next, not this episode, but next episode, you will probably talk about how, or he'll probably put a, a snippet of like, hey, this is how we did, or, you know, we may or may not talk about it. Who knows? We'll keep you guessing. But he's having a grand old time there. We, there's some people we're rooting for in the PT uh, as a recording. It's, it, it hasn't started yet, but you'll know who, who did well, who did not. And you'll have insider knowledge basically because we have no idea how people are doing at the pro tour as of recording this mm -mm. which yet. yeah but we'll well we won't do our full pt draft this episode because without anthony it's just kind of like mm -hmm. eh, not the same but i think at some point ashley and i will will say which which player we think is going to take it down i think okay. i think we'll at least do that okay um, yeah but i like it with the first pick in the draft, the Goblin Trash ma Masters select some card that 
everyone thinks is good, but turns out it was bad. Just <laughs> like most every other number one overall pick in sports ball. Yeah. yeah. The reason I'm talking about this is because we're talking about evaluating new cards and why we're all bad at it. Yes. We're all fucking terrible at it. I need, I, <laughs> this is going to be a Kyle rants and screams because like most of you who listen to this, who scream at your, your center console when you listen to us on your drive to work and get even more mad before you go into the office. I rant and rave when people start evaluating new cards because holy shit, everybody thinks they're really good at it. It's like, no, I found it. I found the thing. This card, it will be the savior of insert format. And it's completely fucking garbage and nobody ever plays it ever. Yeah. Or the opposite happens. They think it's not going to be good at all. And they're like, oh, yeah, that ended up real fucking good. Ends up played in everything. Yeah, which is most of the time that's the one that happens. It like that's the sure. F- it, if, yeah. If you see a card that you're just like, I don't know, this seems like it's good, but I'm not sure. And then like literally every podcast, YouTuber, streamer, pro says like, you know what? It's not a, it's not, it doesn't look great. It's fine. Whatever. It's probably going to be, be really good. Mm-hmm. But look, we all of, eva- we all evaluate cards when they're spoiled in new sets. And every time we do, there's a, there's a card or cards like we talked about where we see the first time and go, holy shit, that card is insane. Most of the time we're wrong. All of us are wrong all of the time. Like, it's just a fact. And, and look, yes, there are rare occasions when we are right. Like we said, they're very, very rare. Like, they're, like, just like, let's, let's put it, because I'm the sports ball guy. Let's put it into, like, drafting players, whether it's, like, the NBA, <laughs> the NHL, or the NFL. Like there, there are a lot of times where people are just like, yep, we, we know this is this, this cards, like this player is going to be good and they take them number one overall. And they're basically a hall of famer. And the other times it's like, no, this person's going to be great. They draft them number one overall and they're out of the league in like a year. It's horrendous. It puts a franchise back like decades. It's the same thing with magic cards. There's just like, there's no way this card is not going to be good. And it ends up being dog shit. And then there's like those gems, those, you know, fifth round picks that you're just like, oh man, like that's it's, we'll take a chance on this guy. And it turns out to be one of the best players in their respected sports. There's a lot of cards that, that happen like that in, in magic. And what we're going to talk about today when we're evaluating cards, it's hard to just look at a card and know it's good. You got to play them. Reading the card kind of inflates the value that you see in it because you see some cool text. And you're like, oh, that's a cool thing that it can do with this, you know? And you just end up being, nope. Disappointed, nope. really. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're just like, N- like that's, that's the biggest thing. Because I, I like, like what you said, it's like, you think, it's like, it does this thing, it's this cool thing. We're magic players. We get excited about stupid shit. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's be real. We look at cards like, oh, this is so cool doesn't mean it's good that doesn't mean it's going to see play and that doesn't mean it's going to be playable or even just like just a great card in a bunch of meta decks and just warp a format just yes a lot of magic cards especially now in the design space do a lot of really really cool things but it doesn't mean they're good like right I, 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 there's there's a lot of cards that are just really really cool that mm-hmm. aren't good and i'm I'm the spicy one here. Like, I love to play the spicy decks. But, like, at least when I go into it, I know it's going to be shitty. Like, yeah. you know. Like, look, I'm playing this card because it's pretty. Pretty much. Look, I, I, am, I am the Tyvar man stan. Thank you, ma'am. Like, mm-hmm. Tyvar Jubilant Baller is my dude. He's good, but, like, yeah. most of the decks I play, it's just like, eh. Eh. he's okay. Like it's mm-hmm. it's fine. It's so cool. It's cool. Like I, I really like that point you brought. It's it's just he does a cool thing. Is mm-hmm. it good? Sure. Yeah, but... Well, that that brings up a good oh, go thing, ahead. right? So, mm-hmm. what are you? What are your questions that you ask when you evaluate cards? So it it took like I'll, I'll preface it. It took me a while to get here because like most Magic players, when I started evaluating cards, I'm just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and just being like, oh, that's cool. That's great. That's good. That's trash. It's like that scene from Half Baked where it's just like. It's like, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I quit. Like, <laughs> like that was just me looking at spoilers and be like, I'm done. But now that I'm, like, playing competitively, 
and, you know, trying to win events and just help out friends as much as I can because I'm an old man and have responsibilities and whatnot and can't go to most things that I would want to. But I really put a lot of research into not only deck building, but evaluating cards, whether they first got spoiled or it's been like a month or two. But for right now, we're going to talk about the questions I talk about when we're evaluating cards right when they get spoiled. And the first one, like we're just going to go in order. The first question I ask is, does this card go into a combo deck, existing or new? Okay. So I like this question because it just gets it out of the way. Because a lot of, like, this is where the cool card aspect right. comes in when we're evaluating cards. Like, oh, it's so cool. It does this. And it's just like, okay, is it a new combo or does it go in an existing combo? I, I think a good example for this would be when Urza, Lord High Artificer, first got printed in Modern Horizons 1. People yeah. looked at that and went, oh, yeah, you just go infinite with Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry. Uh, which was a, a combo that got banned and extended from back in the day. It wasn't really seen play in modern because it was just like, it was more of a value engine. You couldn't go infinite, but now that you had Urza, you could go infinite with this combo. And it's a new and existing kind of combo. You know, and it, it answered both questions. And that one was an easy one where it's just like, okay, cool. It, there's probably a deck here. And it turns out we were right. That was an easy one where it's just, when you asked the question, does this card go in a combo deck? So when you're asking that, you can ask too, does this replace a card that's in it? Is it better than a card that already exists here in mm -hmm. this combo deck, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it worse? Just because it looks cool and, oh, it would fit in here doesn't mean that it's going to overtake something else, right? Yeah, c correct. Because that's another thing where it's just like, yes, it goes in a combo deck or yes, it is a combo. You have to ask that question. Just like you said, is there an existing card that's already in there that's better? Mm -hmm. Or is the combo worth it? It's just like, yeah, it's a combo, like, cool. And, you know, we'll, we'll mention this in the episode. A lot of times there's like, oh, it's it, this, this combo is with this card. Most of the time it's happy Christmas land. You're like, you need this card and that card and this yeah. to happen and this board stay. And they're just like, that's never going to fucking happen. But uh, on the other side of like, does this card go into a combo deck? Is it a new combo? And the example I'll use for the new one is the Amalia combo. Which, when that first came out, people were like, Amalia, com I'm not even going to attempt her full name. I don't have it in front of me. And no, she's just Amalia. <laughs> yeah. But Amalia and Wild Growth Walker was a new one when Lost Ca Caverns of Ixalan came out. People were like, oh, you can just, you know, it combos with Wild Growth Walker. Once you just, it just goes back and forth and back and forth. Goes the Amalia gets to 18 counters. She's at 20, wipes the board. That's awesome. You gain a bunch of life. And it's like, when that first came out, it was like, well, is that good enough? Like, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking at the realm of like, when we first saw this, like I saw an opportunity where like, is this the beginning of an Abzan combo deck in Pioneer really? that's actually playable? And fast what? forward to the here and now, Amalia is a hell of a fucking combo deck. It okay. is a great, great creature combo deck. I've had a ton of fun playing it. This deck speaks to me. I will be very upset if it gets banned. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> she's <laughs> but, represented in the yeah. top five of Pioneer decks being played right now, right? Yes, she's slowly going down. Okay. And I like that because it just lowers the chances of her getting banned before I get to play it in an <laughs> event that matters. And that's all I'm looking for. But also, it's a combo deck. Like, mm -hmm. it, if you're going to play it, you got to know what the hell you're doing. Like, because a lot of people, it's not like Yawgmoth where you like, you get four things and you win. Yawgmoth is just a draw engine. Like, you know, you don't like fall into wins, but you can be like, all right, here's the combo. I go infinite and I win the game. When you combo with Amalia and Wild Griff Walker, you don't always win. You'll go to like 76 or like 80 or 90 life or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, any variation of numbers, but you just go to 80 life most of the time. And you're just like, sweet, this is awesome. Sometimes you die because you're like, I can't find any other creatures. I can't find a Dina to kill somebody and do the loop again. And then your opponent's just like chipping away. You're like, I was at 80. How did I lose? Like, it's it's not one of those things. But Amalia was right. a prime example of like, it goes in a new combo deck, but is it good? Turns out it was good. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of other, there's so many other combos which is like, oh, this combo is insane. It's going to break a format. And nobody ever fucking played it. I can't remember them because they were terrible. Like, that should show you. <laughs> But, but yeah, that's that's the one I like to get out of the way because 
you know, happy Christmas land magic spoiler season. People are like, oh my God, if your opponent doesn't interact with you, you have these three cards and you win the game. It's just like, okay, but sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, come on. Let's get, let's get you back to the home grandma. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I question Watsy's design space and how they test all these things. But like most of the time, most, I'm still going to give the qualifier most of the time. They're not going to print a card that you will instantly win with. Like that just that defeats the purpose of the game, right? Like that's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, we'll probably talk about this later. Yeah, another Kyle rant about mm. just like how could you not see it? But we'll we'll get through <laughs> we'll we'll get through like all the questions. So that was number one. Does it go on a combo deck? The next one I asked, we briefly mentioned it a little bit. Was are there existing cards that are similar? So like we talked about in the the gap episode or reading the card explains the card when we had mm-hmm. that whole discussion. That's what I thought of too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like we talked about Deep Cavern Bat and Tide Hollow Sculler. Right. Like th- th- this is an easy way. Th- th- these are layups in a yeah. sense. Like, yes, layups are easy. You know, free throws are easy. Mm-hmm. But there are chance that you whiff. Yeah. But most of the time, if there's a card that's very similar to a newer card, they're gonna it's gonna be good. Deep Cavern Bat is a is a prime example. It's just another version of Tide Hollow Sculler. You know, Skyclave Apparition was just a better fiend hunter. That one yep. layup, easy. Novice Inspector, I believe is Novice the Novice Inspector, yep. Yeah, the, the new Thraven Inspector. Yep. That one's easy. It's just Thraven it, Inspector it with a different name. Just is. <laughs> yeah, like the, the exact same. Just easy layups, you know. And one that I thought of that I like so much, Wear Fox Bodyguard. Um, yes, another one. Another that, great example. Yeah. You know, I still really love the card. I think it really works in some decks, but people still think that Brutal Cathar is better. And in a way it is because you get more instances of doing the effect because of the day-night thing. I just really hate day-night, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, but still, I, still a question no, you have to ask, right? A hundred percent. And I would honestly, I would not fault it. Like you said, it's it's better to play Brutal Cathar for the exact reasons you just said, like, mm-hmm. you know, you flip it, it's just a beater with ward that's that's really good. And then when it just flips back into Brutal Cathar, you're like, sweet, I get to do it again. That's just the better card. But I honestly would not fault anybody. It's like, I don't want to play Brutal Cathar because I hate day and night. And I'm like, mm-hmm. agreed. Fuck that mechanic. I hate it so much. It's so annoying. Well, and currently in standard, it's a blue-white soldier's deck that they're wanting to play either of these cards in, and Brutal Cathar has the soldier tag. Yeah. So that makes it additionally better for that deck. But for something like Blue White Flash, you could arguably put a Wear Fox Bodyguard in there because it has Flash, you know? Oh, so I, it's I've, still. I've been playing the Blue White Flash deck in Standard. Yep. And Wear Fox Bodyguard is just better in that deck specifically. Mm-hmm. It's better in that deck specifically than Brutal Cathar, mainly because, like, like you said, it has exactly. Flash. And when, when you play Blue White, you know, Tempo, Flash, Mid Range, whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you want to hold up your mana and see what your opponent does, see what see what happens, see what the board state is. Where with the blue yep. white soldiers deck, you want to play a bunch of creatures and hold up, make disappear, and get your opponent dead as quickly as possible. You know, you're still playing that like kind of tempo like thing, but brutal cathar is just better. And you know, this is like what we're talking about. Where it's like, are there existing cards that are similar right now in standard? There are two cards that kind of do the same thing, but they go in completely different decks and certain ones will be better in certain situations and those are the things you need to talk about when you're evaluating cards yes is it better than this card or both of them in said format you know and again we'll talk about formats as we go on but right but the are are there existing cards that are similar is just the layups now there's sometimes where you whiff and that's to be seen you know we've all again going right back to sports ball you know, we've seen the 85% free throw shooter miss one when the game's <laughs> on the line. You're just like, how did he miss it? It's like, shit happens sometimes. Yeah. Because he's and, a person and he's going to yeah. miss things sometimes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, I always, for, oh man, I always forget the the player's name, but he ended up being like a, a bust. He was a hockey player. He's one of the biggest busts in history. And of course, I think the Edmonton Oilers of the Dallas Stars drafted him, but regardless, but he was playing for the Dallas Stars at the time. And it was against the Edmonton Oilers. And usually when you need one goal in hockey, you pull the goalie so you can get a, a, an extra attacker on the ice. So it's six against five and helps you get that goal to tie it. This guy has the puck, just an open net, just yawning cage right there. All he has to do is just tap it in and the stars win the game. He misses slips 
an Edmonton forward gets it. There's like eight seconds left in the period, the third period. He gets it, goes around the net, goes around the, the back of the net, just starts zooming up the ice, passes it to the crease. Somebody tips it in. Edmonton ties the game and they end up winning. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. How could this happen? You could just like not even shoot it. Just nudge the puck in that general direction. And 99.9% of the time is going in and then you win the game. But like you said, people are people. Sometimes layups are not easy. Sometimes a little chip <laughs> shot is not easy. You can't always be like, no, this card will be great. Trust yep. me, it's just like this one. But yeah, layups, that's basically what that question is. And the next one I ask is, is this card generically powerful? And I know you have some thoughts in it. I'd like you to start off with this. I want you to define what generically powerful is. <laughs> because <Okay>. to me, <laughs> when you consider what makes a card powerful, I feel like that's going to vary so much from person to person. So what you got? Would you consider Lightning Bolt to be generically powerful? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Where it yeah. no, no One matter. One mana, three damage. Yeah. Yeah. It, no matter any situation, the card is good. Okay. So for me, like. Siege Rhino was one of those where, like, it was a missed card in spoiler season, but you go back and look at it, you ask the question, is Siege Rhino generically powerful? Again, we're not talking about power creep and what, you know, right. the world of magic is now where Siege Rhino is just horrible, but this is the year of our Lord 2024 and everything is better than Siege Rhino. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like literally every card in the set throne of Eldraine was better than that card, but... At but the in time, the ancient days. In the ancient days, in the before four times of one of the best standard formats ever of Khan's block, Siege Rhino was fucking Dennis the Menace. And I said that so you can go watch Ristic Studies video on Siege Rhino. If you have not watched <laughs> Ristic Studies content, I, I will come to your house and I will and I will make Wall of Roots bother you instead of me. Like <laughs> Ristic Study has a great video on Siege Rhino and just pretty much everything as far as like magic goes from just art to playability to, you know, the history of the game. But in the before four times when Siege Rhino was spoiled, people were like, yeah, it's good, but I don't know. There was other cards they were looking at and it kind of fell to the wayside. But then people started playing it and then you go look back and just like, it's a four mana, four five with trample that Lightning Helix is your opponent. It's just a good card. It doesn't combo. It's not just one of these things where you land it, it ends the game, but turns out most of the time when that happened, the game would end. But like when I say generically powerful cards, Siege Rhino comes to mind. And Oh, she ordered the apocalypse. It's just Siege Rhino all the time. <laughs> I mentioned Throne of Train. Like Questing Beast is probably like number 20 on the top 20 of best cards in that set. And that has nothing to do with the card Questing Beast. It just has to do with the... Throne of Eldraine was a stupid fucking set and mm -hmm. everything was good. But Questing Beast, that card is just generically powerful. It doesn't see a lot of play. And this is where I feel like a lot of Magic players get into trouble, and myself included, where it's just like, is it generically powerful? It's like, yeah, it's a very powerful card. That does not mean it will see play. That does not right. mean it will be powerful in multiple formats. That does not mean it will be a staple. You mm -hmm. know, a a another one, again, I'm probably just going to talk about Throne of Eldraine cards in this. <laughs> in this <laughs> it was a... Wicked set, that's for sure. Yeah, it was it was something. Bone Crusher Giant. Yeah. Somebody could be screaming at their console when I say that, but I, I don't think really anybody missed Bone Crusher Giant and was just <laughs> like, oh no, that card is just like okay. It was like, yeah, it's not lightning bolt where it's like one mana for three damage, like we said, where it's just generically powerful, but just two mana deals two damage to any target, and you get and... a four three that you can cast later. Like yep. That also if it gets targeted by spells, it deals two damage. Like Bonecrusher Dying was just a good card. And when I ask this question, is this card generically powerful? That's really what I'm asking. Is it just good? Just right down the middle, like no matter situation, it's just a good card. And well, and you brought up a couple of sub-themes here that I think are important that go into evaluating the card, right? The mm -hmm. mana cost for what it gives you. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So you're paying two mana, you get two damage, damage can't be prevented. And mm. for another three mana, you still get a four three. So if you're playing mm. those things on curve, that's good. So it's your mana value and what you get off of that mana value. Mm. And the mana value, if you're talking about a creature, right? Mana value and the power of the creature. Or yes. power toughness. You know? Power toughness, yeah, yeah. So th those are things you can consider. 
Mm-hmm. Do they match up or are they way overcosted for what you would want to play in competitive, you know? Yeah, so. and that's that's the thing too. Like, and I, I think magic players get a little too lost in the mana cost or mana value uh discussion because sure you know sometimes it's just like oh if it's more than three mana like i don't even know if you should play it it's just like st- stop that noise like get the fuck out of here look like, at fucking people... attraxa like, yeah i mean again again on this podcast when this is the way the before four times when we did an actual like set review <laughs> type yeah. thing but the only reason we talked about Atraxa Grand Unifier was because it had the word battle in it. Like, we're just like, ah, it's seven mana. It'll probably be like a commander card. It's an angel. Cool. Look at that. Atraxa is the best reanimation target and just one of the best creatures you can play, whether you hard cast it or you're playing the OG reanimate in Legacy. Like, yep. Atraxa has replaced Gristlebrand, and most of us missed that card. <laughs> That's a prime example of why this mm-hmm. is such a fucking crapshoot. We're all terrible at this. Even yeah. when we had those layups or we're just like, oh, yeah, don't worry. No one will play this card. It costs seven. Uh, what? How could you ever cast that? Games end by that. <laughs> but the, it's the connection between the mana cost, the power toughness, and the effect that it gets And what you, you get, yes. What do you get for the effect for seven mana? When mm-hmm. it enters a battlefield, you reveal the top ten cards of your library for each card type, you get to put a card of that type from among the real revealed cards into your hand. This is seven mana and potentially draw like five. You know, if you send up six. Right, yeah. sometimes six. Same. That's really, really good. Yeah. That's and why this card's good. It, and it's flying death touch lifelink and vigilance. Correct. Fucking why not? Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I like this segueing the last one last question i asked is what format is this good in mm-hmm. i think we always have to ask this question because like we talked briefly about multiple different formats but there are cards that are good in standard alone there are mm-hmm. c- cards that are good in pioneer alone there are cards that are good in modern alone legacy alone yada yada mm-hmm. yada go on and forth and there are cards that are good in like say standard or pioneer or pioneer and modern or you know, legacy and modern. What makes a card good is not always what we talked about. It's like, does it combo? Is a card similar to it? Or is it just powerful? Sometimes a card sees play, not even if it's good, just sees play in a, like a format because of the format. That's it. Like a, a, a card that's legal and standard right now that has been one of the best cards in legacy or was one of the best cards in legacy. I don't really play that format, but Monastery's uh, mentor has been a staple in blue white legacy decks for a while it's restricted in vintage because like you play it on turn one and just make a bunch of prowess one ones that card is really really powerful it's really good for its mana cost but it doesn't see play in modern it doesn't see play in pioneer and you know it really doesn't see play in standard with its second go around and this is why you should ask this question when you're evaluating cards because like what format is this good in it could be a monastery Swiss or not Swiss beer. <laughs> not Monast- Swifty. Yes. Swifty is good in like pretty much every format she's legal in. Yeah. But a monastery mentor situation where you're just like, it's a really powerful card for the three mana and you get, you just poop out one ones with prowess and it has mm-hmm. prowess excel. That's a really powerful card. But when you look at format playability with the mentor, it doesn't see play in other formats, even though mm-hmm. you think it would be good, but it's not quite as good. It's like that in Standard, too, where Watsy designs Standard sets to be good in Standard. That's the point. Right. And there's other cards that get played in other formats. Awesome. That's great. Get, give me the garbage. I'll, I'll play all the, the, the nonsense stuff. But they designed the set to be, the, the cards to be played in Standard. And like, like we said with Atraxa, Atraxa's just, she, she's replaced Crystal Brain. She's just good in any, you know, ramp strategy or reanimator strategy. The card's yeah. insane. But there are cards like, you know, we've talked about in past episodes, like Archangel of Wrath. That card is just good in standard. It's really good in standard, which I assume they did that. And it's probably a fucking nightmare in limited, too. My God. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about that now. Like, in limited, just like, yeah, sure. At, at worst, it's a four mana, three, four with lifelink and flying. Great. Right. But that card, it's super, super good in the decks that play it in standard. But uh, that's that's really... Where it's going to end, you know? Yep. Like, 
Ar Archangel of Wrath really is not going to see play in Pioneer and definitely not in Modern or Legacy or anything like that. So I think the last question you should ask yourself is what format is this good in? Because I think that'll help you really decide if you think a card is really good. And, you know, if you ask these four questions and you're at a, a, a certain card, you're just like, nope, I still think this is good no matter what. Go for it. You know, like we'll figure it out in like two weeks if it's actually good. Like you don't lose yeah. anything from evaluating cards, honestly. You know, like it's this is something fun to do, but don't lose sleep over this. Right. When you go into like deck building and deck construction and seeing what goes where and if you want to play a certain card or you don't want to play a certain card. Yeah, like you can lose sleep over that and really put in the research and really put in the work to that with like play testing and talking and writing and have discussion with your team. But when you're <laughs> your just like, <laughs> hey, it takes a village, you know, <laughs> like we've said in past episodes, it's just you versus another person. But magic is really a team sport. It takes everybody. But yeah, if you just want to evaluate cards, it's a crapshoot. It's something fun to do, but don't lose sleep over it. And if you really want to do it, like those four questions that we talked about, I think that's a good starting off point if you really want to do this, because I, I enjoy doing this. Like I like new cards. I like getting into the weeds of seeing if it's good. But the best thing you can do to find out if a card is actually good is to play it. Like yes. we talked about the gap episode, just play the cards and you'll find mm -hmm. out. Some cards, you're just like, there's something there. I might need to play some more, see what's going on. And then there are other cards. You play it and you go, this card is fucking terrible. Like, this yeah. is awful. And that's the ultimate answer. She's like, I'm going to play this card. Wow, it's bad. <laughs> yes. You could just make a proxy of a new yes. card. Put it in something that you think it's going to be good in and goldfish it. Or fucking play it against something and see is this actually good does this do the thing that i want it to do try mm -hmm. it find just, out yeah play test it like just write you know whatever the card is or just print it out on a sheet of paper so you know exactly what it is and yep. then put it in front of a basic forest and and play it and see mm -hmm. and if you really if you're just like hey i think this card is going to be good in pioneer pioneer season's coming up I really, really want to like test it out. I think there's something there. Just do exactly what Ashley said. Make a proxy and play it because mm -hmm. you'll find out. And this is the big thing. You won't have to spend money. You right. won't have to spend any money because he's like, all right, it's it's spoiler season. This card's like 20 bucks a pop. Let's see if it's good. Nope, it's terrible. Now it's three and I lost a shit ton of money. Like <laughs> it, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's tough. Don't but... spec on a card before you try it out and see, you know? Yeah, uh, or unless you're Anthony who just buys anything that's remotely playable. Well, like, sure, <laughs> that's fine too, I guess. But Anthony <laughs> just has all the cards from yes. all the times forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, True. Look, I'll just give a few examples of like why just evaluating cards is a crapshoot. We're all bad at it, and we should. And if you're going to evaluate cards, just go into it like knowing this, because the the first one is like the cards that were hyped up that were just bad, and if you want to look up these cards, not while you're driving, but when you're done, you can. But don't, because they're terrible. Like, we've already been through it. Like, <laughs> Scab Ruinator in OG Innistrad, people were like, oh, this card's insane. Hoffle. Temporal Mastery. They're like, oh, it's Time Walk if you can do it right. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't great. Confounding Conundrum. That was printed, like, Zendikar Rising was while Uro was still legal. And be like, oh, with land drops and it you draw a card on ETB, it, it turned out to be terrible. And then there's the cards that were forgotten about or not talked about enough. And usually it's like late in spoiler season. It's like the last spoiler like dump. And you're just like, all right, well, there's a few more rares and maybe one more mythic and just like all the bulk like draft commons. And some there are, there are cards that just sneak by. Tarmogoyf was a prime example. You know, R.I.P. Really? my boy. Yeah, Tarmogoyf, he's, he's not great anymore, and it makes me sad. But uh, yeah, Tarmogoyf, when it when first came out, it was spoiled on Future Sight. People were just like, I don't know, like maybe they're, they weren't really high on it. And then people started playing Tarmogoyf. You're like, yeah, it's a two-mana four or five. This card is fucking great. This is <laughs> awesome. It's not so much, you know, in this day and age. But like I said before with Siege Rhino, like people were more high on Savage Knuckleblade from that format that that card has seen some fringe play but not as much as Sie siege rhino siege rhino was one of the best cards you could be playing in standard it was a menace and then 
this is my favorite one of just cards that were forgotten about in spoil season. Oko Thief of Crowns. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I I believe the only person that was like, no, this card is insane. I'm pretty sure it was Sam Black. I think like on Reddit or just somewhere in like a forum was just going like, no, Oko is kind of busted. And people are just like, oh, I don't know. Like, is our foods good? We we referenced them to Clue because that was like really the only thing. And then Treasures, like at the time. But again, as we all know from people who played every format, Oko Broco. I miss yeah. him so much, though. Like, I, Oko is one of those cards where, like, I'm glad he's gone, but oh god, I miss him so much. I miss I miss Oko so much. He was so he was such a good fucking card. Like, it's a plus one ability. Plus one and plus two. Right, but it's a plus one ability to make a target artifact or creature lose its abilities and just become a fucking elk. Like, what? God, holy shit, when Oko was legal, uh, he was legal in modern, I think, the longest, because they're like, oh, it's modern. Like, thinking it's like, nope, everything was an elk. All the elks. Mm -hmm. Everything. It's elk. It's elkening horizons. <laughs> elk, elk masters. Like, it's everything was season. a fucking... Yeah, literally. The people are just like, hey, I'm going to play primetime. Like, sweet. It's a 3-3. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and, like, uh, Oko was just, I mean, in the dark depths of YouTube, probably not the dark depths, but, like, somewhere on YouTube, you could just look up, like, uh, Oko Vintage, like, it's just Oko MTG Vintage and a Vintage Championship, like a Vintage, like, 5K that they threw. Like, you'll see somebody won a Vintage Tournament by plussing their Oko on their Black Lotus and swinging for lethal. Oh my god. Welcome to magic. <laughs> Everything's an elk. But yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Oko was one of those who's like, oh, it's a three-mana planeswalker. It seems good. We'll see. And then, holy shit. Like, Oko just ruined everything. He did. But, yeah, but and the, the, the next example, this, this is my favorite. It's, and this is why sometimes things need to age like fine wine or mm -hmm. age like milk. I don't know. Dealer's choice. First one. <laughs> First one, definitely. But cards that were unplayable for a long time, and now suddenly they're playable or just really good. Mishra's Bobble was not what it was today, like when it first got printed. Really? Like, you know, zero mana artifacts are always going to be good, but it wasn't like where... Mishra's Bobble, when it was like first printed in Cold Snap, it wasn't like people going like, oh, they should probably get rid of Mishra's Bobble. It's a zero mana artifact that like draws a card. So good. It wasn't, you know what it was today i start with that one because the other two are the really good examples uh mm -hmm. death shadow nobody played death shadow mm. for the longest time and then we're like hey death shadow works really well with phyrexian mana mm. get probe and mutagenic growth and gut shot yeah when death shadow zoo first came out of the scene like people were dying on turn two like <laughs> it was it was gross yeah and then Honestly, this is my favorite example. Dark Depths. Dark Depths was a bulk rare forever. People were just like, this card is doo-doo bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, you get a 2020 indestructible and flying, but it takes like a long time. And the, the land doesn't even tap for mana. It's so bad. And then, you know, we got Thespian Sage and mm. Vampire Hex Mage. And you're just like, Oh shit, now I can turn to a dark depths like t some shit like that. Or it's, it's like you, there's, there's turbo depths in Legacy that's been a deck in that format for the longest time. And Wasteland exists in that format. Yeah, dark depths was just one of those cards. Needed a right set of cards to make it a really, really, really good magic card. But yeah, yeah. That's, all, that's all so wild to me because when I was just interested in playing competitively and then when I started playing competitively, Death Shadow was still kind of a thing. Or it was, like, always a thing for me, specifically. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And that was... It's crazy to me that people didn't see or that it just kind of sat there for years, not used, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's... Like, these are some, some examples of cards that just, like, sat for a while and then people kind of realized that, like, oh, no, there are other cards that could, like, oh, what synergies does this have? It's like, oh, I remember... You know, like the fucking old guy at the LGS always talking about this card. Like, is that good now? It's like it's it's one of those things. And I and I think this section of examples of the, like the cards that were not good in, mm -hmm. until certain things got printed is why we need a bunch of formats 
and reasons to play formats. Like yeah. this is why I think competitive magic is important because like 90% of your cards have a home. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And not everybody yeah. is just only going to want to play standard. Not everybody's only want to be going to play pioneer. Like people are going to have their favorite formats, but sometimes formats get stale. Sometimes you want to play a different one. Sometimes you're like, Hey, this card is not good in modern anymore. Is it good in pioneer? It is. Let me play it in pioneer. That sounds fun. Like cards need a home and people need a reason to play. And I'm so happy that competitive play is back for now. Watsy is the worst. So they could just be like, <laughs> not, not anymore. You know, but uh, yeah, cards need a home. Cards need to be played. And I love when cards just come out of fucking nowhere. Death Shadow, that was like a bulk rare in World Wake. Like no, nobody plays that card. And then he's like, so you're saying I can have a 10-10 on turn two or three? It's like, yeah, that, what? Get it, get out of here. Like, right. And now you can turn it into a 13-13 and draw a card because dress down. <laughs> mm, yep. Fucking card. That's a little, little side note. I, I hated play. I hate playing against Death Shadow where, where they have, where my opponent has two open mana and they swing with like their 8-8 eight, eight Death Shadow. And I'm just like, like, I'm going to block. But how bad is it? If I don't block, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, are you going to, are you going to dress down me? Like, are you, are, are you, are you going to take my clothes off? Get out of here. <laughs> I'm not that kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as, as you could probably hear in my voice and just me talking a lot, like I, I really do enjoy talking about this subject. Well, you're like, a brewer. I, I, I am. I am a brewer through and through. I love, I love that. I think that's why I love creature combo decks so much is because it's a, just another puzzle I get to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like my draw to magic is just that 5,000 piece puzzle that I'm like, I, I don't care that it's three in the morning. I need answers. Gotta know. <laughs> yeah. But like I go into this just not thinking I have all the answers and and reserving the fact that I might be wrong. I might be horribly wrong. Like, I might be really, really wrong. And you, you'll see that you're not as disappointed when you evaluate cards. If you, you're like me, you're like other people who really enjoy doing this. And when spoiler season comes out, you start brewing, you start thinking, you know, just like, oh, where's this go? It's like, what archetype will this make? What archetype will that make? What archetype will this card shut off? You know, think, things along those lines. But just like when you're, you're trying to draft a quarterback for your terrible, terrible franchise, and you're just like, no. Ryan Leaf will definitely not be a bad choice at number two overall. Like, definitely won't won't be a the horrible decision that haunts this franchise forever. And and Ashley, for context, it it did. Ryan Leaf was probably one of the biggest busts in the world. He was a fuck up. Like, and he well got better. He was an addict. He talks about his experience mm-hmm. and you know tries to help people as much as he can. But like, he was. He was just yelling at his teammates and popping pills and just was in the league for like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And Peyton Manning was drafted right before him. So it was a big old win for the, mm-hmm. at the time, San Diego Chargers. But, you know, if you're a sports fan like me or just a, sport, a sports fan in general and you play Magic, just think about it. It's like evaluating draft. Yeah. Draft stock, like draft picks. Like, oh, will this work out? It's just, and know that most of the time you're going to be wrong. Well, and even in that scenario, or even in that comparison, there's more existing and finite information that you have with magic cards than you would have with a draft person, right? Drafting a sports player. Because a sports player is a person. You can see their stats, but they're a person. They could have things going on in their life that you don't know, right? (laughs) You can read a card in magic and you can print off a proxy of it and you can play with it to see how it works together in whatever format you're talking about, right? So yeah. you have a lot of information at your disposal. You just have to sort through it in a way that's helpful to you when evaluating. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I really like that. We talk about variance in magic, but just like that's the variance in sports. And just when you're trying yep. to get players, whether you're drafting somebody or just signing a free agent from another team, like Ashley said, they're a person. Mm-hmm. They could just be like wild card bitches. And before the biggest game of their life, just start going to strip clubs and snorting all the cocaine. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter yeah. how good they are. You're just like, I don't know if this person's going to be a fucking crazy person. <laughs> like, I don't know. But with magic cards, you do have some agency in figuring out, like, is this card going to be good before you're just like, nope, full send. Give me four copies. We're putting them in the deck right before <laughs> this RCQ. And then you're just like, oh, no, this is bad. <laughs> yep, definitely. If you really want to look at a card in a way that is more 
modular and not in the context of an existing deck, then we'd recommend LR's quadrant theory. It's designed for limited, where the deck context is less important, but we can use it here in constructed as well. So the quadrants are developing, ahead, behind, and parity. So how does the card you're evaluating hold up in each of these quadrants? Does it help you when you're behind on board? How about when you're ahead? What if the board is even? Do you want to see this while you're setting up? So these are the questions you should ask. And obviously there are plenty of cards that don't see playing constructed and are good in three or four quadrants, but this is a fine starting point. An example would be Obstinate Bailoff, one of my favorites. It's, it's pretty meh when you're ahead, decent when you're behind, fine when you're at parity where, you know, everything's equal and basically nothing when you're developing. Clearly, these are pretty rough evaluations that you can make, and they tend to fall apart after you play a card for the first time, but then you get a better feel for it. And that's like a practical application of yes. all the things that we've been discussing, right? Mm-hmm. So like all of the little categories that you're putting together, and then you put it into, okay, so I've looked at all of these things. Now, when I go to play this card, when do I want to see it? And if I'm not seeing it in these quadrants, is it still that good? Do I still want it in the deck? Does that make it a sideboard card because it's better in this situation or mm-hmm. something like that, you know? So I like this a lot, this thought, practical application of all your evaluation. And like we said, it's practical. This is for just you playing a game of Magic where these are the kind of the questions you need to ask while you're playing. Like you should do this when mm-hmm. you play Magic in general, like when you decide yes. to cast a spell or something like that. But it helps you evaluate cards. And in a practical sense, this is why we say playing the card helps you so much. Mm-hmm. Even before you play, asking these questions and, try, and trying to put this card in each of these four buckets. We're just like, how is it in this bucket? How is it in that one? It's like, all right, let's talk about is it good in developing? Is it good when I'm ahead, when I'm behind, when I'm at parity? You know, and obviously you're not always going to get it completely right with me when I'm evaluating cards, when I ask those questions, or you're doing the more practical sense of, this kind of exercise. And again, this is why it's a crapshoot. Sometimes you can do all the research in the world, have all the spreadsheets, like all the monitors, like you just <laughs> have all the practice games, like, no, it's good. And then you sit down to an actual game of magic with really good players where stakes are on the line. And you're just like, it's not as good as I thought. Now, you, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do some of this stuff when you're evaluating cards. Correct. But you should go into it. We've talked about in the past where you're not, gonna be perfect mm-hmm. with your play but you should always strive for per- perfection you should always climb up that hill to try to you know get to the perfect magic player even though you know it's not gonna happen it's the same thing with evaluating cards you know you're not gonna be right 90 percent of the time but if you want to do it and if you want to get a little percentage of point ahead of the competition and find something you're a brewer like me just want to see if cards are good and really like get into the weeds with this stuff just keep doing it because Mm -hmm. it's fun you enjoy it and sometimes it it can help you not only understand cards but understand formats and understand why cards are good in certain formats and what constitutes a card that goes in a combo deck because i feel like when i for for me when i was a, a newer player combo decks and how cards synergize with each other that was a like went right over my head i was just like yeah what do you mean this goes infinite like this is what explain it to me like i'm a child but (laughs) as you like look and read cards and you try to understand them and this episode is very similar to the one where we talked about reading the cards because when we talked about reading the cards explain the card and the gap like those are existing cards that we've played with yep many times these are new cards that we haven't played with that we're just Mm -hmm. seeing for the first time so it's even more difficult just know you're not going to be right all the time. But when you are, oh, when you are, <laughs> oh, it feels so fucking good. And you just mm-hmm. hold it over all of your friends' heads, too. Yes. Like, when should. you're just like, oh, like, this card, like, it's so good. Like, I'm telling <laughs> you, like, oh, shut up, you're a fucking idiot. And then you're whooping all of their asses with it. Just, oh, mess with them. Mm-hmm. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Because I know I do. We all yeah. do. Like, <laughs> Yes, I love it. But hey, we talked about a lot of stuff. You want to do a little summary 
on yes. evaluating cards. Yes. All right. So I'm just going to go over the questions again and some of our sub questions that we had kind of as we mm -hmm. went along talking. So questions to ask when you're evaluating cards. Does the card go in a combo deck? Are there existing cards that are similar? Is exactly like it? Does it have similar keywords? Things of that nature. Is the card generically powerful? Is it good in any situation? Is it good in a vacuum? And the mana value for the effect you get or the power toughness on a creature. What format is this good in? Evaluate with the cards existing in whatever format you suspect it's good in. And what card interaction makes this difficult to play in X format? Beautiful. And, Love and, it. And the four quadrants. And, four and quadrants. the four quadrants. Yes, I do love the four quadrants because it's more of, it's funny where it's just like me, the artist, mm -hmm. the brewer, the free spirit, just like, I ask these questions. What about this? What about that? I'm going <laughs> to philosophize about Siege Rhino. Hear yeah. me out, guys. And then Anthony's is just the, the quadrants. And I love it. He's just like, it's fucking math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even though it's not really math, but kind of, I don't know. I get that vibe from this, but it's very practical and like analytical or just like, all right, in mm -hmm. a game of magic, if I'm developing, is it good? Mm -hmm. Check the box. Is it, if it, is it good if I'm ahead? No, check the box. Behind? Check the box. Parody? Check the box. Boom. Move on. Love it. Beautiful. Love yep. it. It's great. <laughs> it's great. But I love yes, it. Evaluating cards. And we've come to the point where it's a guessing game. It's a guessing game. Here at the Goblin Trash Masters, we love competitive magic and we want to see it flourish. We know that there are tons of local game stores that want to run competitive events like RCQs, but might not have the resources or experience to be willing to try. Maybe they have tried, but they're a little nervous about getting back on that horse. We're excited to announce a new program all about Comp REL that we're calling the Comp REL Assistance Program, or CRAP for short. CRAP is there to help your small or medium LGS run CompRL events like RCQs by providing them with support and materials necessary to run an outstanding event. Competitive integrity is our top priority, and we can help your store to break into the market of listeners like you. CRAP support involves either assisted hosting or remote consultation with our hosts who have a combined 23 years of tournament organizing experience. All participating stores receive a kit that contains everything they need to run a great and accurate event with things like an in-store event poster, table tents, deck registration sheets, and plenty of stickers and tokens to give out. Best of all, this assistance program is completely free of charge for your LGS and always will be. We offer assistance in the form of remote event planning via consultation or in-person hosting for stores within range of the Lexington, Kentucky area. Our goal is to do our part to support competitive magic not to try to make a profit off of your LGS. If you think that your LGS might be interested, have them reach out to us via our website. The instructions are available at www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. That's www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. Spelled C-R-A-P. Like how a child would say shit. Wait, that's been... That's been like that the whole fucking time. None of you fucking told me. We can't actually have this as the name. You know that, right? Everything's printed, bud. It's too late to change it. No, 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 no. We should call it something less awful. Like uh, the competitive unified nerd training. Yeah, competitive unified nerd training. Yeah, that's way better. Jesus fucking Christ, you're both stupid. And before we go into the guessing game, though, we are... Like we said in the beginning, we're going to do the Pro Tour, you know, in quotations draft. We're just going to pick the players that we think are going to win the entire event. So, Ashley, I got mine. You got yours? Yes. You want to start us off? What do you think is going to win the entire Pro Tour? Murders of, Car Murders of Karlov Manor Pro Tour champion. You heard it here. I am going to go with Andrea Mangucci. Ah, mango. I'm gonna the say mans. mango. Yep. I, I, I do love, I do love mango. Mango. I love ma I actually don't like mango. I like mango. <laughs> Mangucci. Andrea Mangucci. I do, yep. I do love him. He's a great player. It's a good pick. So yeah. for me, I'm gonna go with the local guy, Derek Davis. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm just calling my shot. And it's like fuck it, you know. Bring it, bring it back to Kentucky. Derek Davis, lock it in. 
He's going to win the PT. All right. I love it. So, again, you can scream at us all you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. And for the guessing game, it's based on the episode and the topic we have. And both of us have cards in our brains. And we will mm-hmm. ask yes and no questions to decipher what card we're thinking about. And the guessing game for tonight is card you were 100% wrong in evaluating or a card you were 100% correct in evaluating. I, I got a card. Do you have a card? I got a card. All right. Since it's both, it's just 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 us two. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, oh, ooh, nothing, not even an odd anything. It's like, here, how about this? What number am I thinking of between one and 10? I'll give you two guesses. Six. Correct. You'll go first. <laughs> Wait, was it really the right one? No. <laughs> oh, man, I was hoping I had ESP. All right, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I have ESP. And... Okay. All right, so. Cryptic hint. Only cryptic. Mm, I don't know. So it would be cryptic if it wasn't something we said all the time, but I'm going to give context first. Nope. So as we know, I am newer to all of the things. All the things competitive magic, yes. yes. <laughs> so evaluating cards is something I am much newer at and not something I've done a whole lot of. But I remember this card being one. I, I believe Anthony was a little low on this card. And I agreed with him at the time. That's the memory I have. So I'm going to give you the hint. And when you guess, you tell me if I'm correct, because I'm pretty sure you had it in an episode before I was the third trash master. Mm -hmm. So this is the the way before four times. (laughs) Way before four times. Yes. So Anthony was low on it. He was low on it. Yes. Okay. And I'm just going to give a one word hint, because if I say the other one, you'll just guess it right off. Okay. Legs. God damn it. We did we pick the same fucking card? Did we? She ordered the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, that was my card. That's it. That's that's fucking hilarious. Actually, that's beautiful. I love that. So, so th- this is actually great because like most of you who scream at their consoles while you listen to us fucking morons, I every podcast I was listening to at the time during Dominaria United spoiler season, people were like mm-hmm. hyped on Liliana. I was too. I was happy he was going into Pioneer and the Standard. But when Shieldred got preview, because okay, for context, Shieldred had like a in quotations leak, and it turned out not to be that one. And it was like a five mana, like, you know, do a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, that card seems pretty cool. You know, I don't know where to go. But then the real Shieldred got previewed and i'm just sitting here going like this card is fucking stupid like this is really this is good like how why aren't people talking enough about this and they're just like oh no it just doesn't do enough because it was a praetor and you know people were like oh it's not like gick or jin cataxius rather or you know elish norn or just you know like they're referencing the ones from new phyrexia and the ones spoiled or played before printed before like shielded came out and they're just like yeah it's cool and i'm 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 literally like viscerally angry just white knuckling my steering wheel just like that fucking shinhead's like oh my god like it's siege rhino every turn like how is this card not good (laughs) and it turns out i was 155 billion percent correct like this card is this card, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's one of the best four mana creatures ever printed. It's played in every fucking format. Like, this card is super, super good. It is. It's it's overtaking formats. It ends up being just so difficult to deal with. You have it, to kill it. You have to kill it. You have to, or the game will end. Yeah, like, and it, <laughs> any deck playing black is playing this card, you know? And yeah. that goes for three different formats, basically. So, yeah, it's it's wild. That's yeah, the, so I, hilarious. I know it's. I think it's funny, but like, yeah, I tried my best not to talk about Shieldred th- this episode because yeah. I'm just like, this is my card. Like, this is the one that I think about the most when people are just like, oh no, I just don't think it's like that great. And I'm just, I'm getting fucking angry in my car listening, and like, I'm just like losing respect for people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I'm just like, how? And I was totally fine with being like completely wrong. I was just like, nope. Yep. I'm putting all my eggs in this in the shield or basket. Like all all our legs. Give me all them legs. Obviously, I'm biased. Shield is probably one of my favorite cards. Mm-hmm. Like I have ever like every time I tap four mana, if I'm not playing shield, I'm sad. 
Like, <laughs> and it's also funny, like Shieldred, the card helped me become a better player too. And remember my triggers because early on when I started playing Shieldred, I was playing Red, Black and Pioneer. I kept forgetting my Shieldred triggers, like on my turn, mm -hmm. on my opponent's turn, like drew for turn or just drawing cards incidentally. And I made it a big point to just like kyle you're not going to miss your shield or triggers and i just had that mentality don't miss those triggers and it helped me remember just every trigger i do when i play yeah. magic so children the apocalypse holds a special place in my heart and i, I like it's starting to hurt my heart because she's really pointy and, <laughs> and like i've been leaking this black oil I don't think that's good. Every doctor I see, they're just like, don't worry about it. But like, I, 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 I think I'm going to die. No, I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs>